listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. We love to talk about all sorts of topics here on the podcast that are related to ministering to children and their families. And one of those uh, special areas is near and dear to my heart, and I know to that of my guest today, is adoption and families of adoption and adoptive children uh, and some of the special circumstances uh, and relationships that we may need to be aware of in ways that we might come alongside adoptive families. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today with my very special guest, Mr. Jeff Land. Hi, Jeff. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm a little sad because our listeners, some of them know, some may not. You have been with Lifeway Kids for quite some time. How many Mm -hmm. years? Almost 12 years. 12 years. Primarily as the leader of our Bible Studies for Life Kids resource as the publishing team leader. Recently, you've taken on some other uh, responsibilities here. But you are leaving us. I am. I am going to be children's pastor at Sugar Creek Baptist Church in Sugarland, Texas. And so I'm really excited about that opportunity. I'm excited about the way God has called us to do that as our family. Mm. Uh, but uh, there's always will be a very special place in my heart for Lifeway. And I plan to continue to be a, a fan of Lifeway and a friend of Lifeway. And we want to hold you to that because we... Uh, You are well-loved here, and we want to continue that friendship and hope to have you continue to speak into the resources that we create. And we know at least one thing is that we are on – your church is a stop along the way for our VBS preview event in Houston. Yes, I'm so so excited about being able to We can't wait to see you there. I think it'll uh, be great. Figure out what kind of good food you can point us towards while we're in town in Houston. We'll start making a list. You have a lot in store for your family. Yes. You're going through this period of transition, and Mm -hmm. that's uh, today's actually your last day. It is. As we record Mm -hmm. today, you'll be gone by the time this airs. And so I was just noticing that your bio now says that. You, uh, Jeff Land, is the children's pastor at Sugar Creek Baptist Church in Houston. Yes. How exciting. Yeah, I think it's really cool. But I also <laughs> think that one of the things that this points out to to our listeners is that here at Lifeway, you might think we kind of work in a bubble, uh, but we really are connected to churches. And so all of us have a heart for the church. Yes. And for you to move on in this way, we're excited for you. We're excited for the church. Uh, and yet we are sad because we know we won't see you as often and we certainly won't see you every day. Right. So, uh, but just excited to partner along with you in a new way. Now, uh, part of that involves your family, who is also going to be along for the ride in this big move from Nashville to Houston. And uh, your family and mine have both been touched by adoption, exactly. which is what we want to get to talk about today. Uh, so we will get there in just a moment, but first... There's always a but first. But first, we have been doing a thing on the podcast where we'd like to get to know a little bit about little you. Mm-hmm. And so when you were little, we want to find a little bit about what little Jeff was like. Okay. First of all, did you always go by Jeff or were you Jeffrey or Jeffy? I have what did they never call you? been anything but Jeff. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Good to know. Did you have a childhood nickname other than your given name? No, and I always wanted one, but I never had a childhood <laughs> nickname. If you always could have picked cool. one, <laughs> what would you have picked? Would you have been a scooter or a? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I call I, I call my children like Buddy or something like that. So it might have been Buddy. And so, okay, so uh, hey, Buddy, when you, <laughs> little Buddy Jeff, when uh, did you have a special bicycle? For some kids, having that bike is like a special thing. Do you have any bike that stands out in your memory as one? I do. I remember when I was about 12 years old uh, that I 
saved my money and bought my first 10-speed bicycle. Oh, wow. Yes, and it was one of those that looks like it had the ram With the curvy handlebars, yes. yes. And I was so proud of that. I remember going to buy it. It was blue and those thin little tires. Uh, yeah, so I loved riding my bike growing up, and we lived in a little town in Mississippi, and so we had free reign of the road a lot of times, you know, so we didn't mind riding our bike to the grocery store. We rode our bike to baseball practice, to the local pool. And so it was my primary mode of transportation when I was a preteen. I loved it. Good memories for those miles on the on the bike on the road. Mm-hmm. How fun. I think a lot of us can relate to that for sure. Well, speaking of relating, you and I uh, have in common the fact that, first of all, our boys play soccer, which yes. is great, but also <laughs> that our boys came to our families through this awesome thing called adoption. Right. Uh, so I have two sons in addition to two daughters by birth. I have two sons who came to my family from Ethiopia by adoption as a sibling set. And you have four boys that you and your wife, Abby, have brought into your family. Tell us a bit about your adoption story. How did you two make that decision? And how did you wind up meeting up with your boys? Sure, well, we were actually uh, wanting to start a family. And so like many couples who adopt, we were faced with some infertility struggles. And so we went through those those struggles on our radar had always been adoption, but we didn't know that it was going to be our mode of becoming parents. So we thought maybe we would have biological children and then we would adopt uh, because we do believe that adoption is a biblical thing and that God has called us to it. And so we wanted to certainly honor that call, but we didn't realize that that was going to be the way that we would become parents. So through our infertility struggles, we came to know about Taiwan adoption um, through our very first agency we talked with. And we met a worker there and she told us about Taiwan adoption. We kind of were a little bit selfish in a little bit, in a little way, because we really wanted to have a baby, Mm -hmm. like a tiny baby that you change the diapers and you you have all that fun uh, baby stuff. And so we thought our only way to do that would be through domestic adoption. But we met this social worker and she said, no, in Taiwan, you can adopt a baby. So mm-hmm. we did that and uh, we prayed about it and we were like, this is awesome. We, we started looking into Taiwan and we ended up uh, signing up for a Taiwan adoption. And the um, it was in 2006, the end of 2006. And the first of 2007, we finished our home study. And uh, March... 27th of 2007, we got an email that said, congratulations. And it had, yes, it had a picture. And so the, the connection to Lifeway with this story is that my wife called me. I was in my office in our old building and she called me and she said, we got an email. And I said, what kind of email? And she told me, (laughs) she told me it was a referral email. And so I, I left, I didn't tell any of my managers or anything. I just got in the car and I drove straight home and we opened uh, our picture of the boy of, of Reed together. Mm. And so uh, that's, we came, we got Reed when he was six months old. So we got our, our baby fix and we got our, our Taiwan sweet little adoption finished. And then a few years later, we decided we were going to adopt again. And God led us to, um, a, well, God didn't lead us, but we, we were chasing several uh, dead ends. Mm-hmm. 
And so it was on April 29th of 2010, my wife was turning 30, and she said the only thing she wanted for her birthday was a referral. And I said, well, you know what? We don't even have our home study at an agency right now, so it's probably not going to happen. And so I got to work here at Lifeway, and I just randomly sent an email to an agency that I had heard was starting a Taiwan program. And about an hour and a half later, the agency called me and told me that she was looking for a family who had adopted from Taiwan before. Mm-hmm. And they, um, that their program really wasn't open yet, but they wanted to find some families who were familiar with Taiwan. And then she told me about a particular little boy who was two years old and that he needed a home. And I told her, I said, you know what? I think that's fine. We sort of got our baby uh, fixed the last time. So she said, well, there's more to this. She says, uh, this little boy had a baby brother born last night. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was like, well, I'm going to really need to talk to my wife. So I called Abby and I said, (laughs) Abby, I think you might get your uh, birthday wish. (laughs) And she said, how's that? How could I maybe get my birthday wish? I said, well, I think we're going to get a referral if you're okay with a two-year-old and, and a newborn. An infant. Yeah. So that's how we got uh, Nash and Will. And then on Will's first birthday, we got an email from a missionary that we knew in Taiwan and said a birth mother was pregnant and she would like us to adopt their baby. So her baby. So. And so here you are now, four boys. Four boys, Reed all Nash, from Will Taiwan. Tuck, mm-hmm. All from Taiwan, and your house must be noisy. It is very, <laughs> very noisy. You know because your sons play soccer. But they do. The boys want to play soccer inside the house. They want to play soccer outside the house. They love the way the soccer ball hits the garage door. Um, so <laughs> you know, they love funk. all that noise. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's really loud. But it's it's a great house. It's a very happy house. And uh, as is ours. And it just uh, it changes your life, mm-hmm. have, having those children. And... and um, so uh, th- this, uh, you know, both of our families have been touched by adoption and grown that way. And, and it seems that more and more uh, Christian families are following the Lord into adoption, mm-hmm. certainly in the region where we live in the Nashville, uh, Middle Tennessee area. But around across the country, there are a lot of Christian families now who are adopting either domestically or internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's a trend, but that it's, I think it's an encouraging thing mm-hmm. to see. And in fact, I think that part of the international adoption slowdown is the fact that so many Americans um, and Christian families really were adopting children from Africa mm-hmm. and children from Asia. And uh, you've really, we've really seen a drop in the number of international adoptions. And it's not because people don't want to adopt. It's because the countries have actually slowed that down. Yeah which is really sad for the for the children. Yes. But what this means uh, for us in the church, let's turn this to the church for a little bit, because mm-hmm. as leaders in kids' ministry, it means that you are likely, uh, if you don't today have families in your church uh, with uh, children of adoption, you may soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, although those children don't need to be treated differently in a weird way, there are sort of some special considerations that it could be good for you to know as a leader. Definitely. So tell us about that from your perspective. What are some of those things um, that would be good for a kid's minister to know? Well, I think one is just to be respectful of each child's story and be respectful of each parent's story. (laughs) I know that we, I know very few people who have closed adoptions today. Um, or even very even more uh, even fewer people 
who have adoptions where the birth parent or the the adoptive parents don't tell their child that they've been adopted. Um, yes. It seems like that used to be a thing. That used to be a thing. Yes. Um, and I do occasionally hear about it, uh, but I don't hear about it very often anymore. But just know that that's everybody's story and it's their own preference. And uh, my wife and I, we are very open with our boys about their adoption. Um, we always have been. They have always known they were adopted. Uh, but they know, too, that they're, they, they're their own individuals. And so just being respectful in your verbiage with, with those families and the children and just helping, you know, maybe even your Sunday school leadership, your Bible study leadership, and any other type of adults who are working with children even just helping them with their verbiage. We'll have people pretty often that will come up to the boys and say, where are you from? And they'll say they're from Tennessee, you know, and (laughs) their little country accents come out. And so uh, that's where they think they're from. And so because of that, we don't even think anything about it. You know, so many times we'll go to the doctor's office or, or whatever, and they'll be asking our family history and we'll get to the end of it before we remember this really doesn't apply to our kids because the yes. the biological part of our family isn't there. So just being aware that families think about their family in different ways. And there's a point, too, with every family, and I'm sure you've experienced this with your sons as well, that sometimes you just want to be a family. Yes. And sometimes you're very open to talking about adoption and being respectful for those families of determining when uh, I don't mind talking about adoption at all. I really don't. But on the soccer field, when I'm at church worshiping, um, just in some places, I just want to be a family and I don't want the, I don't want to have to talk about adoption. Yes. And it is, I I think the fact that you mentioned, you know, um, their story is their story mm-hmm. for the kids. It is. And it's one thing to approach you as their dad and say, hey, would you tell me a bit about your journey or about their story? It's about leaders and kids can be curious mm-hmm. and and probe the children with mm-hmm. questions like that. And that can cross a boundary. Yes. Right. Because their stories are very personal. And they some are. of them, uh, some children of adoption have very difficult uh, pasts. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's probably wise for us as church leaders to be aware that that's not the kind of place that's appropriate to go mm-hmm. with the child. And, and you might have had this before. Um, not sure if it would apply to you with your sons and your and your daughters, but people will ask us the question if they're real brothers. Yes. Yeah, and, all the time. Yes. <laughs> they do ask if they're real brothers, and, and our sons <laughs> very much are real. And, and they're very they much brothers. brothers. Yes. Um, they do sh- some of them share the same blood. And some of them don't, and we choose not to disclose that. And yes. so just being aware of that, that uh, we're not open to talking about that right then, or even just, you know, it's really not, in my mind, it's not a real relevant question. I think that's a good way to say it. It's their brothers. In America, they're the, they're the land boys. Yes, and they are all four brothers. And I, I, I wondered if you ever had that question between Tyson and Tate and yes. then your daughters. Like, has anybody ever said? Oh, yes. Well, we got our boys, Tyson and Tate. They're mm-hmm. 12 and 9 now when they were 4 and 18 months. We got them as a sibling set. They came together. Uh, but we do get that question. You know, mm-hmm. are they real Are they real brothers? Mm-hmm. And uh, we just 
say yes mm-hmm. <laughs> and leave it at Most that. Of the time but there's that's more to do, the story. That there's it, a little bit of bite there. Yeah, there and is. Uh, I, I think that for the most part, I have seen that uh, adoptive parents are very graceful in yes. that. But occasionally, <laughs> you might but, hit the wrong one. <laughs> yes, it, but but as leaders, we need to know to be aware of that mm-hmm. as a possibility and sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I might raise is that uh, you know people often talk about your real children and your adopted children. In oh, my case, yeah, and the that's truth a, that's is a big topic. They're all my children. They really they're are all real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, I've watched you be their dad, and I can say for sure that you are very much all all four of their absolutely. fathers. And um, so it's the and that's the way I see myself. Like sometimes I'm like reminding myself that they're not biologically. It's easy to forget mine. that we don't look alike. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it is. It really is. Uh, some things too that we think about or that we don't necessarily think about is just remembering your setting. I know a lot of people in churches in more rural areas and as they're coming into uh, international adoption and they're bringing children in who are uh, a different race, it's just to be real sensitive of how you talk to people. We had a, a, at our church, we had an experience one time when a a mother looked at um, my wife and said, oh, I hope my children don't date outside their race. Oh, no. And we were just like, ah, <laughs> red flag right there. So, oh, guess um, so, yeah. So just be real sensitive to that because a lot of uh, a lot of Christians don't share the same views. And so just being really aware of of racial type things that you would say um, and just listening for that uh, to kind of cut that off because yeah. you don't want your children to hear that. Absolutely not. In no, a Bible study class, that would be, be a tragic. Safe place it should where be. They're loved and accepted. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think most of our listeners, most people in ministry, would agree with that and want to be aware of that. But oh yeah, but it's you know what, and sometimes, and the reason why I even bring that up is because we would totally agree with it. But sometimes natural, just, you know, being in your environment, you totally forget about things that you should be aware of. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, medical history. Mm -hmm. One of those other areas that that some leaders are not tuned into, and it can just help to be tuned in. Mm -hmm. You mentioned awareness. Just being aware of some of these things can help you as you minister to families uh, from with adoption as part of their story. One of those is family history. And so, you know, when you were div- giving a lesson, if there's a point where you as the leader want to say something like, you know, you might have your dad's eyes or you look like your mother or whatever that could be, to be aware that the, these children are not going to be able to bring in photos of their birth parents for the mm-hmm. most part and things like that. If you develop a project or an interest of some kind in that sort of application, something else to be aware of. We had that same issue actually this year, uh, not at church, but in our school system. The mm. uh, teacher sent out an email that they were going to be doing this history of, you know, from the 1900s on to today. And so they were going to go through and talk about the different people who were in different wars and who served in different wars. And I immediately just red flag shot up that my son wasn't going to have any pictures of relatives that look like him who had been in the war. And so I let her, I wrote the teacher back and she said, well, you know, it's perfectly fine to send your own relatives, which, which my son would be fine with, but I wanted something more for him. I wanted him to be able to show his side of the story. And so uh, one of the cool things about our adoptions in Taiwan is they've, they've been open 
So we were able to request pictures oh, from our birth families, and they sent them. So that's good. Uh, but but leading on from that, uh, talking about medical history, is just being aware of sometimes a parent might appear to be a helicopter parent, uh, but really they just know their children's backgrounds. Yes. And so when it comes time for camp, if a parent of an adopted child really, you know, is asking to go to camp, just be aware, you know, maybe that's not because they just not want to be there, but they know that their child maybe due to the age at which they're adopted or something might have yes. some separation anxiety. Yes. And so trying to accommodate that as much as you can is a really good thing. Yeah. Um, bonding and attachment is something that everyone who's been involved in adoption has talked about and looked at. And, you know, each there's a process where, you know, when children's uh, attachment to their birth family is broken at such a young age, it can cause uh, real trauma that's lasting. Mm -hmm. And it can take a while for families to build a new bond and a new attachment. Some have some kids struggle with that always. Right. Others attach really well. But it's good for us as kids leaders to know that uh, in our case, uh, we we chose to ask teachers to set some certain boundaries with how they interacted with our boys when they were new with mm -hmm. us. Sitting on the lap or hugging were things that we saved for mom and dad, that that's a special thing that we do with family, and we were trying to redefine family for them. Mm -hmm. And so it may be that you have parents who have some special requests about that, again, based on their child's unique history. Mm -hmm. And I, I know there are parents that, and, and a lot of these things that we're talking about are just could be applied to kids in to general. Any child, that's true. Um, so you don't think about that, but you're certainly right that there are some bonding type uh, measures that you take. And um, quite honestly, we did not do any of that for us. And so that is a really cool thing to remember is that some parents are very much, well, I guess I shouldn't say some parents, all parents are very different. Yes. And so in terms of different things that you might be more open to talking about adoption wise, we might be more private. Sure. Some things that you're looking for, like the bonding and those types of things. We did not personally for our family, those were not measures that we took, mm -hmm. but we have to be aware there are a lot of times when people come home with their children they want to be the only ones that hold them. They choose to be in, you know, together for a period of time and stuff. And so we always want to be respectful of that. And, you know, when are you going to bring your child to church? Well, maybe it's more of an attachment issue and it's not that. Or maybe there are some behavior issues. Uh, statistically, we know that children who are adopted at older ages have more trouble bonding. They might have yes. more behavioral type issues. And so... You just have to be aware of all of the trauma that families are going through. I talked to a lady the other day after I'd shared my story, and she said, can I please talk to your wife? I need some help. We had just came home a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago with a, a two-and-a-half-year-old, and we're having these issues. It yes. sounds like you were describing. I was like, sure, you can talk to my wife. She'd be, she'd be happy to help talk to you. Um, but just know that you might choose to deal with things differently. Yes, and uh, there are there are struggles that may happen behind the scenes that you never see at church. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I would encourage leaders to just be mindful to come alongside those parents, uh, especially at the beginning, and just be there in case they need help. Uh, it can be easy to become isolated, you know, whether you are intentionally pulling away for the purpose of bonding or 
just because maybe you're the only one in your church who has adopted, you can feel alone. Mm-hmm. And so to, to have, uh, for a lack of having family in town like us, and you've got some really close friends who are there for you that can help with the boys, it can be a really great opportunity for a kids minister to really uh, serve a family by giving them a night off or by coming alongside and listening if they just need someone to talk to you. That's so true. Well, any other tips that you might suggest as you get ready to enter into ministry? This, you, you, you're heading back into the local church, and you'll be in the front lines again uh, as you enter back into that. Uh, are there any new fresh thoughts that you have uh, from the front lines? I would say just always being aware of uh, when, no matter what the age of the child that you have when you bring in from uh, for adoption, because we do see a lot of kids who are being adopted foster. Uh, foster to adopt, which is wonderful. Uh, just being aware of that. And so if your parents uh, are saying, can we do a baby dedication for my nine-year-old, that you're ready to do that or yes. are kind of treating them like you treat new moms, new dads, um, and just knowing that they're they're going through the this whole new parent type phase of their life, regardless of what the age of the child is. Yes. So even thinking about if there's a way to uh, personalize a baby dedication that is more like a child dedication. That might be a fun thing to do. Great tip. Great tip. Jeff Land, thank you for your time. Uh, and again, man, just blessings on you as you go uh, on to your next chapter of life. Thank you for all your service here at Lifeway and for your friendship to, uh, to, to me, to Lifeway Kids, uh, and all the churches that you've served over the years through Centricid and just so many ways that you have touched this place. You will be greatly missed. We appreciate your heart for adoption. Thank you for sharing your story with the listeners. And listeners, I hope that um, you have been touched by Jeff's story. And so as you interact with uh, families who have chosen adoption, uh, that you might come alongside them, that you might serve them and be aware of some of the special circumstances uh, around those families so that you can serve them well as you serve the Lord in your church. Thank you again for listening to the Lifeway Kids Kids Ministry 101 podcast. And we'll see you back here again soon on our next episode.